Well, we, we got off the plane last night about 8.30 and been flying all day through Mexico and through through all that and uh, just happy to be here with you guys this morning. What a blessing it is to be able to worship in the house of the Lord together. I've been mission trips all across the world in Europe, South America, Africa, Asia, I've lived all across the world. I've seen multiple things happen. I've worked in many churches. And I've never seen anything like this. I've never experienced something like this. And I told Joe White, who's, who's kind of the leader for Northwest on this trip, I said, you're going to have to explain to our people what, ha- what just happened because I can't. Maybe some of you have experienced what it means to, for the Holy Spirit to be poured out into people that are willing to give up their life for the name of the gospel. I, I sure haven't experienced it like this. We were with 57 people on this trip um, from Oklahoma and Texas, nine different churches. And we're on these speedboats in the middle of uh, a canyon. You can put that picture up where he's on the boat. And Greg, the missionary there, who's an evangelist, he's spirit filled with the Lord, he stops the boats. 57 people from churches just like us. He stops the boats. And he preaches a simple message of the gospel. Repent. You're, you're not just sinned, but you're a sinner. And Christ has come to set you free. And I, I'm telling you, I've heard this message millions and millions of times, and maybe you have too. And yet, when he preached the gospel, seven people from this mission trip prayed to receive Christ on those boats. And I'm going, what, what just happened here? What's going on? Then, then the, the, the following day we go where, where we have pastors and leaders from, from all over Mexico coming to this conference to pick up backpacks to send, to start churches, to plant churches, and they use these backpacks as an outreach to give to kids in which they preach the gospel to the kids, but they don't even just preach the gospel to the kids, they preach it to the parents, the moms and dads that bring the kids. And so 500 of these leaders, 600 of these leaders come in and pack this auditorium. Greg asked me to preach. I preached the sermon that I'm going to preach today to you. But then Greg gets up, and my sermon was more about us as the church doing the work of the ministry as Christ builds his church. And Greg gets up and preaches the gospel. He says, this is how you're going to preach the gospel when you hand these backpacks out 45 pastors and leaders get on their hands and knees and pray to receive Christ. 45 pastors and leaders in the church. They say, I don't really know Christ. I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, what is going on here? And then we go out to this village. Okay, you can go to the next slide. Here's, here's the pastors and leaders that I'm, I was talking about right here. These, these people coming up front. 
you can go to the next slide. And so we go to this village and, and he, we're handing out these backpacks to all these little boys and girls. It's about 200, 300, packed in this little uh, house, overhang of a house in which this lady has, has, has said she wants to build a church in this, in this village, but there is no church. And so we're coming to kind of help start plant this church with this, this youth group from another church. A Mexican church has come and they've been working in this village for a while and yet they haven't planted a church. And this lady opens her home and says, I want you to be here to hand these backpacks out and to preach the gospel. So we began preaching the gospel to this, this group and then he turns to the men and he speaks to the men and then he turns to the moms and he speaks to the moms and he says who of you are going to lay your life down for the sake of Jesus and need to receive the gospel and two moms kind of hesitantly raise their hand this man right here gets on his hands and knees and prays to receive Christ in the midst of a village that does not know Jesus he gets up and he raises his hand and says I believe in Christ how many 45-year-old men, 50-year-old men get on their hands and knees that do not know Jesus and say, I need Christ? I haven't seen it very often. We do see it, but not very often. They have this school there in the, in, in the place where they work in, in Chiapas, Mexico, and there's two places on the map in which Voice of the Martyrs has a red dot. One is in um, um, Colombia, in which Christians are persecuted. The other place is in Chiapas, Mexico, a place called Chamula. And the reason is, is that Roman Catholicism is mixed with animism, which, which creates this demonic worship in Roman Catholicism. And so if somebody is a born-again believer in Christ Jesus, they're persecuted, they're kicked out of some of their villages, their houses are burned, and some even die for their faith. In the 90s, there was, there was a, a, a massive amount of people coming to faith in Christ, and many of them were killed in this village. They have 18 young men in this school, and they call it the Frontline Mission School, and 18 young men... Um, have been, had been working with us, Mexicans who had been working with us that week, and they're taught how to share the gospel, how to work in these churches as missionaries and sent in these towns, and they are willing to die for their faith. They're willing to go into the jungles, into the places where people do not know Christ, and lay their life down for the sake of the gospel. They're willing to pay a heavy price. And, and, and honestly, when I, when I started, I started thinking about it. I said, uh, you know, we don't have to have that persecution. And yet the Lord put on my heart, so many of you have paid a heavy price for the kingdom of God here. I, I wasn't able to be here last week, but we had a celebration. Alan preached, and thank you, Alan, for doing such a great job. We had a celebration last week in which we had um, all of our people who were here in 1968 when the church was rebuilt after um, it burned to the ground. And I wasn't able to be here. I really wanted to be with you. But 
I just want to say thank you to you. If, if you were here in 1968 when the church burned to the ground and was rebuilt, would you please stand up? Would you please stand up? I just want to say thank you for the sacrifice that you made. I want you to look around this room. Yeah. I want you to look, hold on one second. I want you to look around this room. Stand up for one second. I want you to look around this room and know that these people have paid a heavy price for a number of years in this church, in this community, and are still here because they love Jesus. More than being closer to their, their home or more than being in a, in, a, in a different church or more than being in a community, I, they, they are here because they love Jesus and they love this church. So I just want to say thank you guys. Thank you for, for being here and being a part of what God's doing here. I also wanted to say that there's some here that, that, that haven't been here a really long time and you guys are paying a heavy price as well. You might wonder why, why I'm saying these things. All week long, this missionary, Greg, he's poured into my life. It was like the mission trip was about me. He poured into me. He prayed for me. They prayed for me for longer than 30 minutes, the whole team. He talked about being a pastor. He talked about being a leader. He talked about the spirit of God. The entire time he talked to me, just encouraging me. And I say all this to say thank you because they poured into me all week so I'm able to pour into people as well thank you for letting me go on this trip we've got a long way to go Northwest I'm not going to lie it's just real simple we've got a long way to go but maybe today is the day where we begin to see God move in a mighty way for his church. Greg kept talking about these things over and over again on this trip and he kept saying, it's the expectancy. It's not only believing that there is a God, but expecting him to do his work, what he wants to do. And maybe today is, is our day at Northwest to surrender and to say that we cannot do it on our own and we expect you, Christ, to build your church. We cannot do this. Greg asked me to preach with 500 different pastors and we gave out 28,000 backpacks that day. And the Lord kept bringing me to this passage in Matthew chapter 16. And I want to read it together. So let's stand as we read God's word together in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, it says this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The word of God, let's pray. You guys can be seated while I pray. I may be a minute here. Father, this morning we invite you into our hearts, into our minds, to speak to us the truth about your word. Father, we understand as a people, as a corporate people, we can do nothing apart from you. Father, as your word says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And Father, we as a people, humbly, myself included, humbly, Submit to you. Knowing that you want to do a great work through us. Not for our glory at all, Father, but for yours. And we ask that you would do that. We ask that you would build your church. We ask that, we would, that you would break down the bondage of darkness in our community. The bondage of darkness in our state. And Father, the church would be such a force that it would break down the gates of hell and reach in and take people and give them eternal life through your word, through your gospel. Father, we believe that you will do a mighty work. We ask you to do that. And our hearts begin with us, Lord. Begin in our hearts. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Eleven years ago, I had a nice, beautiful house. I was making a lot of money, and God said, Go. I want you to leave your job and your money, and I want you to be a missionary. I've told you this before. I'm going to tell you it again. I said, Lord, but I. I I don't think that I need to go. I, I, can, I can stay here and do what I've gone to school for. And, you know, I, I have a good job and I, I can't speak another language. Lord said, I have more for you. Give me the first fruits of your life. So after my wife and I were married one year, we went. We went to Thailand. They said, we, we want to try something new. You're young. You seem like you have a passion for the Lord. We're going we're gonna to try something new. So as soon as you get off the plane, we're going to drop off your stuff. You take a little bag with you, and we're going to drop you in a village in the middle of nowhere. I can remember crying out at night. Trust me, I've, I've cried out my first three months here. I can remember crying out at night and saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. I can't speak the language. I don't know the culture. I'm laying here on this concrete floor going, why did you send me across the world? I can't do nothing.
And I can remember praying with my wife and saying, Lord, if you're going to do something, it's going to have to come from you, not me. So we began praying, praying more than we've ever prayed before in our life. We began loving. We began more loving more than we ever have in our life. We began to smile at people. We began to work with people in the rice fields. We began to putting up beams with people for their houses. We began serving the children in the schools, teaching them English. And after this time was done, when we were in the village, we set up a big projector and put on the Jesus film. And I got up after through a translator and said, I believe in this Jesus. Is anybody in this room, or is anybody in this, it wasn't a room, it was a dirt floor outside. Does anybody here want to know more about this Jesus We'd love to tell you the story of this God who loved you so much that he was willing to die for you. One old lady knew what it was going to cost her. Knew the sacrifice she was going to make in an all-Buddhist culture. Not one Christian. She came forward and she said, I'd like for you to come to my house and tell me about this Jesus. So we began a group in her home. You know Peter's name? It means pebble, small stone, just like this. Jesus is actually using a play on words in this passage because he says, upon this rock or upon this boulder, Peter, he says, I tell you, you are Peter, small rock, and upon this rock or foundational boulder, I will build my church. So what is this rock that Christ will build his church some incorrectly believe that Peter is, 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 or that the rock is Peter himself. That's what the whole Catholic Church is built upon, right? Peter as the, the Pope, the church is built upon Peter. But the context tells us otherwise. If you go to verse 16, Peter is his confession of faith upon Christ, his confession upon I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of, God, of the living God. Jesus asks the question, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, I believe that you are the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe that you are the promised one to take away the sins of the world and have come from God. You see, the the rock that Christ builds his church is the proclamation of people that are in Christ. Small stones, like you and like me, Christ is the cornerstone. Christ is In me is the way that God builds his church. 
small stones who have nothing to offer to God, who realize they have nothing to offer to God, who surrender their entire life and say, I need Christ. That's what Peter's doing. That's what he's doing. He's professing that Christ is king, that Christ reigns in his life, that he believes upon Christ for salvation. That is the rock in which Christ builds his church. People who believe in the gospel and now have Christ in them. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. 1 Corinthians 2.1, Paul, the greatest missionary to ever live, wrote half of the New Testament. He says this, and when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or with wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and much fear and trembling and my speech and my message were not plausible in words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man but in the power of God. You know, the Lord spoke to me this morning and he was like, do you remember Peter? Peter proclaims Christ here in Matthew chapter 16. Christ says, I'm going to build my church in you, Peter. Through you, Peter. Guess what happens next a few chapters later? Peter denies Christ. Peter says, I never, I never even knew you. He says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I, you know I love you. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Three times he asked him the question. You know what he said? He said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. We're all, we're all like Peter, just pebbles. We're all like Peter. We've gone astray to our own way. We're all like Peter. God can use us if we surrender to Christ and what he wants to do according to his word. You see, the power is in the proclamation of Christ and him crucified. The gospel has the power. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to transform hearts and minds by the power of the gospel. See, my, my little boy, Tripp, he's four years old. You may have seen him. He runs around. He was running through the airport yesterday in his woody pajamas. People were looking at him like, man, like I was crazy. My, my daughter had her unicorn pajamas on, her unicorn slippers. I was just happy to see him, and they're running through the airport. But anyway, he loves to play ball. I can remember him in the gym one time and standing at one end of the gym, you know, basketball court, and it's pretty, pretty large. He said, Daddy, Daddy, watch this. He winds up, he takes the ball, and he winds up, throws it. It goes about three feet. 
I said, that's a good throw, son. That's a good throw. I'm thinking, you know, that, that's encouraging to him. He goes, no, 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 Daddy. I can, I can do it better. I'm going to throw it all the way to the other end of the, the court. I said, oh, are you? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to watch you do this. Let's watch it. He gets the ball. Watch this. Boom. He throws it. It goes three and a half feet, right? And, and the Lord showed me in that moment that that's how we are. That's how we are when we say, I, 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 can, I can do it myself. I can save myself. I can build the church myself. You see, the gospel is all about understanding that we cannot do enough to earn our own salvation. We are separated from God. We are a sinner from birth. We didn't have to teach our children. Mothers know this. You don't have to teach your children to do bad. They automatically do bad things. They are a sinner not, we are not someone who has sinned before. We are a sinner. We cannot do enough good to earn the favor of God. We cannot save ourselves. If we think that we can, we are that little three-year-old that thinks that he can throw the ball across the room and we are mistaken. And yet this God who loved us so much who knew that we could not do it ourselves, who knew that we had no ability, picked up the ball for us and said, watch and I will do it for you. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for us. Jesus in my place. And our response to that is getting on our knees like the man in the picture and saying, I can't do it. I need Christ to do it. So if you don't know Christ this morning, that's the picture that you need to understand in your mind is surrendering to Christ and saying, I need you, Lord. If you are someone who has received Christ, who has the Holy Spirit, you are in the same boat as saying, I need you, Lord, every single day. I need you to build your church because I cannot. I want to remind you something here. Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let me ask you this question. This is a hard question to ask. Whose church is it? I'm going to ask you the question again. Whose church is it? Christ church. Guess what? It's not my church. It's not the pastor's church. It's not the church of the people who have been here for the last 60 years. 
It's not even the member's church, the congregation's church, the community's church, the world's church, the Baptist church. It's none of those church. It's Christ church. We are merely pebbles to be used by God's servants. Church members, church staff, church leaders who are weary and heavy laden, come to Christ and he will give you rest. You who believe that we have to do everything right for this church to grow, we need to realize that Christ builds his church, not us. And our surrender needs to be fully upon Christ. Thank you.